Thank you for tuning in to the Reclamation Church Podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. For our Sunday sermon episode, we're going to be hearing from a special guest. You might have heard of her. You might have listened to her this whole week. It's Katie Rose Boudet, our ministry coordinator, is going to be wrapping up our series, In This Together. And if this is your first time hearing about Reclamation Church, I'd invite you to visit our website at re.church. That being said, let's listen in. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel real powerful right now. So I'm going to, okay, good. PJ has already put the countdown clock for us because I know that we want to eat eventually today. And for those of you that know me, I like to talk. So we have a special day planned today, and I'm so honored and privileged to be here to speak to those online and here in person. And for those of you who are like, who's this girl up here right now? This is not the normal pastor. My name is Katie Rose Bodet. I am the ministry coordinator here at Reclamation Church. And Tom is actually with his family. He's um, on the corner of Louisiana and Texas in the bayou with the alligators. Um, so next week he'll come back and hopefully only have sermon examples and pictures to show us, but I'm sure he's getting lots and lots of those. So be prepared for next week on that one. So today I get to share a message as we wrap up in this Together series. We've been talking about community and what that looks like here at our church and as we walk it out in our everyday lives. And so um, I have been kind of wrapping my head around this series and the idea of the message that I prepared, better together. And I camped out on this one word, better. And better to me... um, it's really a question. A question is, Is it? are we truly better together? And so before I start, I need to pray up in here. So we're going to pray, but really I just want us to ask the question, do we truly believe that we are better together? So would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, um, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to be put up on this stage in front of these people and online. And Lord, um, you have given me a mouth, but help me to only use the words that you have prepared for me. And I know that, um, God, I'm just so humbled right now to be able to give a word. And so I ask for the people that are watching online and here in person that you would just ready their hearts and only only let me speak the things that your spirit wants me to and the word that we have. And as we talk about community, help us to just um, open our hearts and be vulnerable right now. Speak through me, God, and I love you so much. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so this past week, I actually got to celebrate my own part of togetherness. Um, My husband, Nick, and I celebrated four years of married bliss. Yes. And so if you guys know Nick and I, we love a good adventure. Uh, There's going to be a picture on the screen. This is our wedding day. Um, So instead of walking back down, down the aisle, we got on a tandem bike and rode around the lake that was behind where we got married at. So we love a good adventure. With that in mind, this past week, as we were getting ready to celebrate, questioning, like, what are we going to do for our anniversary? Um, we thought uh, we should go rollerblading. Last year, we picked up a couple pairs of rollerblades off of Facebook Marketplace. And it was so funny because whenever we picked them up, we asked these people, because they were in great condition, we're like, why are you selling these rollerblades? And uh, <laughs> the answer that they gave us is they suffered bad injuries, which is why they ended their rollerblading career. 
So being the responsible adults that we are, we said, okay, we'll take them. <laughs> and, then, and then we waited for a year because we told ourselves we have to get the gear first before we go rollerblading. So helmet check, knee pads check. We were ready to go on Thursday. So we threw the gear into my car and we went to one of our favorite places, which is White Rock Lake. If you've ever been there, it's in Dallas. Put it on your to-do list if you haven't. It's so much fun. And so we just threw the rollerblades in the car and we said, you know, if we get to rollerblading, fine. It's still going to be fun. So we got out, started walking, and Nick's like, we should go rollerblading. This will be a good idea. And so I then tell him, I have never been rollerblading in my life, ever. And then he says, it's been uh, years upon years since I have too. So with that, we were like, we should do this. Yes, let's do it all in. Um, and so if you've ever been to White Rock Lake, you know it's a beautiful lake and it's surrounded by a trail all the way around. And the trail is 10 miles long. And so for a first-time rollerblader and Nick, who hasn't been rollerblading in forever, we thought 10 miles was a great idea. So I'm going to need participation from the audience and those online for this next part because in those 10 miles, one of us managed to go around the whole time and not fall one time. The other one, on the other hand, managed to fall two times. And so if you are watching online, if you think the one that fell was Nick, I want you to hit the like button or write in the comments, Nick. And then if you think it was me, I want you to write Katie Rose or hit like the love button or something like that. Okay, got that online. Now it's time for here in person. So if you think Nick was the one that fell twice, I want you to raise your hand. Know who my enemies are in the room. Okay, if you think it was me that fell twice, go ahead and read. Oh, it's kind of perfectly divided. So, in fact, it was actually me that fell two times. All of that to say, um, I know I have a countdown clock going, but if you guys see me squirming up here, it's because I have bruises. You just can't see them at all. So I know whenever I need to get off the stage today. Um, but anyways, that was our togetherness this week, and we just had a blast doing that. So let's dig into the message today. This past, um, in this series, in this together, um, Tom has talked about three different weeks. He's talked about finding the right people, what Jesus' friends look like. In week two, he talked about saving room for the good stuff, creating, creating margin in our lives. And then week three, which was last week, he talked about Sabbath rest. And so today, like I mentioned, we're talking about being better together. And I kept asking myself this idea of better together. What keeps us from being better? Just like the question I asked at the beginning, is it, do we truly believe that we're better together? And so to look at what it means to be better together, I think we have to zoom in on the word better. And up on the screen, you'll see it defined. Better is to improve upon something. And so I really want to talk about two things today that keep us from being better in the sense of community and being together. Number one is the lies that the enemy has whispered into us. So those barriers that keep us from truly experiencing community. And number two is this idea of hospitality and being a good neighbor, like State Farm says. So then we're going to talk right before we leave about what small groups do look like in the fall. And as your small groups coordinator, I want to talk about an idea that we have and a challenge. I get to leave you with the challenge today. So before we can talk about 
community and what it looks like as we walk this out. I really want us, and for those online, if you're just joining us, we need to make sure we understand the difference between regular community and biblical community. And so regular community is all about a shared interest. So think about whenever you were in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all of your friend group then. Now fast forward to now. Do you still have those same friends? And if you do, that is awesome and not usually the case. But it's because our interests change or our proximity or our life stage change. That's what regular community looks like. Now, biblical community is community of Christians that's centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they seek to carry out the mission of Christ. So instead of being shared around a common interest, it's rooted in the gospel and Jesus. And with regular community, the only thing that ties us to a group is that shared interest, and it usually disseminates. And so biblical community, I want us to really remember that it's not just quick conversations. It's not whenever you come into church and ask how a friend is doing. That is great. Regular community is awesome. I'm not saying you shouldn't have that, but we have to understand that God has designed community to look like this. If you want true biblical community, you have to pursue it. So meeting once per week to hang out and play board games is not biblical community. It's fun, don't get me wrong, I love a good board game, but it's not biblical community. While these things are helpful for community, real biblical community begins with the gospel of Jesus and expresses itself outward to the lost world. So there's a great example of this, and I know Tom shared this last week, and we've probably all heard of this verse in Acts 2.42. It's going to be up on the screen. But this, guys, this is exactly what God's design is for community. And I want to share. Let's read together. It's in Acts 2.42, if you have your Bibles. It says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as, many, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with glad and sincerity of heart." praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were saved. Throughout the Gospels, and just like this verse, Jesus is seen sharing meals with others and teaching them about God. And today, I really want us to redefine or reshape our, our idea of community and hospitality. You know, in my life, what biblical community has looked like, um, it's not often, and it takes years for this to happen, and it takes pursuing that so much. And, and in fact, I think we get caught up thinking that biblical community is going to happen just like that, or it's going to be a big group of people, when in fact, in my opinion and what I've seen in my life is biblical community happens with one or two people, and it is constant, and you have to be pursuing and in prayer for those people. And so I don't know if you guys have ideas or in your life have experienced biblical community, but maybe you can agree with me on that. But 
now that we understand what true community, and as I walk out the rest of this message, when I talk about community, I'm talking about biblical community. So we need to talk about what keeps us, what are the barriers that keep us from experiencing that, that essence of being better together in community. So up on the screen, there are going to be four of these. Now, before I get to them, I want to talk to you guys about, I didn't just Google these, okay? I didn't say, what are some things that keep us from community? These are, hap- these are examples from what I've experienced in my life, what has kept me from community. These are talking to friends, to peers, even in this room. Being a small group com- person who has put small groups together, I've heard these things. And so I want us to understand that we can tear down the wall of vulnerability right now because we're all in this same camp. We've all either said these before or we will say them. And so we need to prepare ourselves. So knowing that, let's jump in. Barriers that keep us from better. Number one, I can't experience community because I am an introvert. I can't experience community because I'm doing fine by myself. I can't experience community because no one would like or accept me. And I can't experience community because I will disagree with people. And I'd also like to add that right now, we're in this pandemic where isolation and loneliness seems to become normalized. And um, we have to recognize that. Again, it all, it's about intention and pursuing. So although we've heard it said that we are more connected now than ever in this digital age, I think more and more as a society, our doors are closed and our screens are turned on, whether that be television, social media, on the internet. We mistake Instagram and Facebook posts with real relationship because we've seen that social media side of each other's lives, we feel like that we know each other because I've seen your social media profile. I was telling Nick this the other day, I usually update him with things because he's not as on social media as I am. And so sometimes I, he's like, how do you know that? Like, did they text you or have you talked to them? I'm like, no, I just saw it on their Facebook profile, <laughs> like just an update. So that's a, a perfect example of that. And for those of us watching or um, online or here in person, I think we have to stop and ask ourselves, have we truly said these things, that we are introverts, that we can't experience community because I'm not going to agree with someone and I don't, I don't want to be with people that aren't in the same boat as me. And so I think once we say, yes, that's me, we can talk about how we can remove those barriers that we have placed. So let's talk about that. How can we tear down these barriers? Because these are, in, these are lies that the enemy has given us and we've, we've put in our heads. So we have to learn how to remove them. So up on the screen, you're going to see this. How to remove these barriers. Number one, we're going to replace these barriers with truth. That's God's word. So this past week, um, for example, I was able to record the podcast since John was off getting married and stuff. Um, I was able to be the host, and I had a guest in there, Julie Hills. And we talked about what it's like to be an introvert and then also have community and know it's part in our walk our Christian walk. And so if you have not listened to that, I'm not going to take the rest of our time to talk about it, but please go and and listen to that podcast. Um, But really what I want to point out is what Julie said is that being 
alone with God, having solitude with our Father is okay, and actually Jesus modeled that, and so if you're an introvert, you're like, whoop, whoop, rejoice to that, Um, but also Jesus was with people first. He taught them. He was with them. He prayed with them. He cried with them, and so he was intentional about that just as much as he was intentional about going away and retreating away with the Father, and so if you're an introvert, know that, and you can look that up in the Bible. Real community is commanded in the Bible. I'm going to share just a few scriptures right now where we see that. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In Romans 12, it says, love one another, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And so we see all of these one another commands, and if you're saying, I can't be with people, well, that's strictly going against what God is telling us. Real community is commanded in the Bible. Number two, how to remove these barriers to get to experience true biblical community is to pray. Pray about everything, and I think this is the most important of these four. It, God tell us, tells us in Philippians 4, 6, He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So whether you get intimidated at the thought of attending a crowded church event, which I know is a lot of people, or maybe it's one-on-one conversations that freak you out or make you nervous, please don't underestimate the power that prayer has in these situations. In those moments, if you're saying, hey, that's me, like it scares me to have a conversation with someone that is not in my circle of people or maybe it's a neighbor or something, ask God for peace in that moment. Ask him for boldness. Ask him for humility or whatever it is that you need. He is there and he will listen. Number three, of how we can tear down these barriers is to be intentional about connecting. God has this to say say about routinely connecting with our community of peers. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another, to love and to do good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So we have to pursue community. And the last one is where I want to camp out for just a little bit. This idea um, that people are going to fail us and that we're going to disagree with people. I think right now in 2020 especially, we are all about tolerance and acceptance. And it is okay to accept people, but also you need to realize, like, think about your circle of friends that you hang out with on the daily basis or your community. If there are people that only agree with you, I would say you really need to listen up to this next part. So understand that we are not robots. So if I just had 12 Katie Roses agreeing with me, I mean, it would be awesome, don't get me wrong, sitting in a circle, but it would be boring. Like, we are not robots, and God made us that way. And so it's okay to disagree on some things. Let me say that again. In this room, all of us are not going to agree on the same things, and that's okay all of you online, just like I'm going to say something right now and some of you are going to be like yes and some of you are going to be like no. I love sushi. 
Some of you are going like this. Others of you, I can't tell because you have masks on, but you are like, no, 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 I do not love sushi. So it's okay if we disagree. Other things, spanking and not spanking your children, masks or no mask, virtual school or in-person instruction this fall, Democrat versus Republican, the list goes on and on. And over the years, and what I've really been praying about and being intentional, and what I hope to accomplish is I want to be in a group of people from a variety of generations and backgrounds, and I want to listen to their individual viewpoints. I think when people talk intending to change someone else's mind, those listening shut down. And I think we can all say that we've been there before. It turns into a one-way conversation when we feel like others are giving us a list of why they are right and we are wrong. And so we really need to understand that people are going to fail us. We're going to disagree with people, and it's okay. And I want to share this quote because it sums it up so, so well. On the screen, it's, it's up there. It says, it's from Beth Moore, a Bible study called Entrusted. And she says, we don't have to have matching plates to sit at the same table as long as Christ is seated at the head. I tend to like having a person next to me with something different on her plate, don't you? If we stare at it long enough, she might offer us a bite, and who knows? We might come to appreciate a whole new taste at the broad and beautiful table of Jesus. If, on the other hand, something doesn't taste right on her plate, we'll know how to keep our fork out of it. <laughs> I just love that. Another piece of this is how we can harbor an attitude of love versus correction toward others. And I love this quote. It says, when we share our hearts instead of our opinions, it makes us more attractive to others. That's how we develop true community versus an attitude of correction. So right now I'm reading this book. It's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. I love it. Um, so an example of me having an attitude of correction versus an attitude of love would be like this. I love this book. I've read it. I need you to read it because you're really messed up and there's some good stuff in here that you need. Okay, that's an attitude of correction. So an attitude of love would sound a little bit more like this. I just read this book and it touched me in so many different ways and I really think that you would enjoy it too. Now hopefully you're like, the second one sounds a lot more attractive to me and I hope you see the difference there. But if you think about that in the scope of those things that I mentioned earlier, masks versus no masks, do we give off that flair of an attitude of correction or an attitude of love? Same with political views or anything like that. So just remember to harbor an attitude of love. And guys, remember, of course, people are going to fail us. And when they do, that just reminds us of the grace that we get on a daily basis. It's never ending. And we are going to fail people, and so that just points us back to God's grace again. And then whenever people don't forgive us, when we fail them, we are reminded that God is God and humans are not, and they are sinful beings, and we're just so thankful that God is who he says he is. So I want to move into this idea of hospitality now. And I think the scripture commands us to be hospitable. But when we think about hospitality, what pictures come to your mind? In my mind, I think of, of hosting an event or plates, a table setting, if you will. Um, but 
I want to challenge that. I think hospitality is not about elaborate meals or perfectly groomed homes. Hospitality is about sharing real life together. It's about living life in community. Sometimes hospitality and entertaining look very similar. So the goal of entertaining is to impress guests and spend time with people we enjoy. The goal of hospitality is to bless guests and spend time with those God has placed around us. The goal of Christian hospitality is to bless those God brings around us, whether they're easy to love or not. Let me say that again. The goal of Christian hospitality is to bless those God brings around us, whether they are easy to love or not. The scripture says that day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. That's so beautiful. God works by welcoming people. He welcomes sinners into his home, and he wants us to do the same. In this way, we mirror the work our Lord is accomplishing, and we get to join in on that work. Jesus is our example of this. His disciples lived moment to moment alongside Jesus. They learned together. They failed together. They, grow, they were growing together. They watched him handle the questions and persecution. They heard his truth and saw him love unconditionally. They watched him stand firm and go to the Father often and cry out when needed. This is radically ordinary hospitality here. This is what Jesus is saying. And so in this book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, um, the author, Rosario Butterfield, she talks about this idea of radically ordinary hospitality. And I know it's an oxymoron, and I want to talk about that a little bit. So in her book, and it's, it, it will be on the screen, I want to talk about this, this idea. Um, that God promises to put the lonely in families. It says so in Psalm 68.6. And he intends to use your house and my house as living proof. Our home is a gospel witness. If the lonely find a family within your walls, they will be drawn to your father. If the outcast finds a home, they will be drawn to the source. If the burden find relief, they will be drawn to the one who gives rest. As you share Christ, the community you extend is one of your greatest tools for gospel witness. Don't believe me? Jesus says that by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Our love for one another will show the world we have been transformed by Christ. It is not our eloquent words or the perfectly posed pictures of open Bibles and coffee that will draw unbelievers to Christ. It's our love for one another. This love can only be put on display in the context of real relationships and everyday community. And this idea of radically ordinary hospitality goes against what our culture says. It goes against what we feel. It tells us to get home, close our doors, and live in fear because we don't know who lives next door. But I think radically ordinary hospitality, um, it's... I love this quote. It says, having strong words and a weak relationship with your neighbor is violent. It captures the violent carelessness of our social media-infused age. Bridge building and remaking friendships cannot be rushed. We have to invest in our neighbors for the long haul and hundreds of conversations that make that up. This is hard work, but we can do it. And I think it's important to note that ordinary does not mean insignificant. 
In fact, in the book, The Simplest Way to Change the World, it says, ordinary does not equal insignificant. We must remember that the church has progressed for two millennia on God's power at work around ordinary kitchen tables and living rooms. So how can we build up these hospitality muscles? How can we actually walk this out in day-to-day life? I have three points. Number one, heard it before, we must pray. We have to pray away those fears, pray away our doubts, our anxieties. We have to pray that our conversations would be pleasing to the Lord and to honor our guest. We must pray that the Spirit would move in us in our homes to showcase his glory. We must pray for the hearts of our guests to be blessed and encouraged. And then pray that God will bring people to you as you need. Number two, we have to be humble in this process of building our hospitality muscles. It says in Philippians 2, 4, that we must look also to the interests of others. So I've heard it say that humility is thinking, is not thinking more of yourself, but thinking of yourself, less of yourself. So thinking of being humble and those things that creep up. Remember we talked about the barriers that keep us from being better together. Um, and one of those things is introvertness or not, not feeling like I need to be around people. Well, how many of our anxieties would be cast aside if we were looking to the good of our guests rather than our own insecurities? How much of our fears about what we will talk about or how a guest will stay occupied would be done away with if we just focused on what would really bless our guests then, rather than the agenda or how we would fill our time? And how much of our concern with the state of our homes or the taste of our meals would be done away with if we weren't ultimately concerned with people's impression of us? These are hitting me right in the stomach, if you can't tell. Practicing humility and hospitality will help us focus on honoring God and serving our guests well. The last one is we have to have joy. Uh, in 1 Peter 4.9, it says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And you guys, this one is hard. Whenever you get a doorbell ringing at whatever time and it's inconvenient, I have to think about, am I grumbling? And the answer is usually yes. When plans don't come together and there isn't enough time to complete a meal if someone comes over or you get distracted and burn the meal that you're making, finding joy is hard in those times. But God knew that whenever he actually authored this scripture. I mean, it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So he knew that we would have a hard time with this. God wants us to open our homes and our lives to others, but he cares about the heart we do it with first. That's my timer, but I'm still going. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm almost done. (laughs) So I know that being better together looks different now than ever, right? We're not just going outside talking to our neighbors or able to walk up to one another. But if we equip ourselves and really take the time to pursue relationships and ready our hearts, right, the way God wants it, we can equip ourselves for that time whenever community does come back and we are being being social again. Um, and we can truly experience being better together. 
And so just like me on the rollerblades with my bruises on my bum, hospitality hurts sometimes. Sometimes we have to learn that, yeah, I'm going to fall two, five, seven times on that 10-mile loop, but I'm also going to choose to get up to remove the barriers, just like I had to remove my rollerblades after my second fall. I had to remove the rollerblades and say, you can do this. Just one more mile. You got this. And so we must keep pursuing those relationships. So this fall, what that looks like in all of this in comparison to our small groups is here at Reclamation Church, we truly believe in being deeply rooted. And we want to see you here on Sunday mornings and involved in whatever it is. But we know that small groups this fall are going to look different amidst all of this COVID and different isolation. And so um, we need your help with that. What we have done is we've um, put together a survey And so a link is going to be sent out to you if you're here in person, um, or if you're online, it will be um, put on our Facebook page, and I know someone's going to comment with it also. But it's just basically eight or nine questions asking what you would like to see in biblical community. And this is looking at it from a totally different perspective. We even have ideas of like, well, maybe we'll have a Netflix watching small group. For those that want to binge on Netflix, that's fine. Now we'll make sure the the show is obviously of good rating and everything like that. But for some people, that's how they want to feel connected. And we want to meet that need to feel deeply rooted. And so we need your help to take that survey. And as we are looking at small groups um, starting in September sometimes, sometime, I want to challenge everyone here Um, online, in person, because real community is vitally important, and that doesn't mean it's easy. And so we have some work to do on ourselves before I I believe that we can really experience true community. And so on the screen, there's going to be this image called Better Together, a challenge of 2020. This challenge is two parts. The first part is I want you to take the survey, and all the survey answers are going to be sent to me, and we'll try to work on um, how we're going to form small groups, and they're probably going to be interest-based with that. But the second part is I need you to pray. I need you to pray to ask the Holy Spirit to remove those barriers, to expose those barriers of the isolation or whatever you've been harboring maybe, um, and use, use it to work on your heart in this next month and ready it for community and to break down those walls so we can truly experience what God commanded in the Bible. And so with that, I thank you so much for listening today. And I really just want to end with a prayer and then you guys will be on your way. So don't forget, take the survey um, and hopefully you accept the challenge today. For more information on Reclamation Church, please visit our website at re.church. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at re.churchplano. Join me on Thursday for our discussions episode where I talk with Katie Rose Boudet on her sermon, Better Together. I look forward to that conversation and I look forward to seeing you there as well. Have a great rest of your week.